Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. And before we jump into the really cool stuff that we're going to bring you today, we have a super important message for you. Did you hear that Brilliantly Resilient, the book is out in the world and it landed on the top 100 bestsellers list. That's where it debuted. We're so excited. Go get it at amazon.com. Search Brilliantly Resilient and you'll see it in Kindle and paperback. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. I am Mary Fran Bontempo here with my buddy, Kristen Smedley. And today I cannot tell you how excited I am about our guest today. And we'll get into a little bit about why a little bit later, but I want to literally read her introduction because it's amazing. We are bringing you today. I'm so excited. Elsa Isaac. Elsa is a New York City-based fashion and image stylist who believes style is really all about authentic self-expression. I don't know. Sometimes the way I look, I'm probably not expressing what I want. Hopefully, we'll get into that. Elsa is a seasoned pro with over 18 years in the fashion industry. The East African-born stylist has built quite a noteworthy portfolio, having bestowed her stylish magic on everyone from Marie Forleo to Lenny Kravitz. What? and Katie Couric to Chris Carr. Nowadays, she helps successful career women and entrepreneurs revamp their wardrobes and create show-stopping ensembles that flatter their unique body shape and lifestyles. A self-dubbed anti-fashion stylist, Elsa doesn't believe there's one standard of beauty and strives to empower all her clients to celebrate their own individuality. Elsa Isaac, welcome. We're so excited you're here. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. And it doesn't get any less awkward when you are sitting there as your bio is being read. <laughs> thank you, you know for what? the awesome we gotta, we gotta embrace the truth. You know, it, there's a, it's, it's time women go, yeah, that's me. I'm cool. <laughs> I often my just son. want someone, I want someone to read my bio to my kids every now and again. Oh yeah. They you know care. that I do, I have done a few things. I know maybe one or two things more than they do, but whatever. Oh yeah. Okay. No, my son walks around telling everyone I'm smart. Like he owns, he's like, I'm smart, you know? And he's like, mommy, I'm smarter than you. I'm like, mm, I, I do. I, I have a few things up on you, buddy. I, I'm a little older. A few. Yeah. But he won't acknowledge that until he's probably into his thirties. So don't hold anyway, your breath. I won't. I won't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we, we usually talk on this show um, about this, re- the idea of a reset with resilience, this rise, and then a reveal of your brilliance. So I want to hear a little bit about your backstory and, and we'll get into then how you came to be doing what you're doing now. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your kind of origin story here? Um, origin in life or origin in styling. Both. I feel like there's so many. Um, yeah. Well, you, do you find that those things, I mean, I would imagine one influenced the other. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I am, I'm, as, as you read in my bio, I'm from East Africa. So a country called Eritrea. So born into, um, I, I will say a big challenge because there was a war going on at the time. And my, my, my dad, actually, I hadn't met till I was three. Cause he was 
off working to to send money to my mother so we could escape and you know mm. leave the war-torn country so um you know still to this day my mother tells me the story about how she walked through the Sudan Sahara desert um you know with me I think I was three years old and I, I can't imagine that because my son is four now and I'm like what how did you do that so that in itself is just like you know escaping that surviving that and then emigrating to Canada um you know it, it's it, the fact that your parents left everything they knew to start um a safe new life for their children is definitely something that weighs heavily on you you don't ever forget that and so grew up in Canada and have two brothers and also then couldn't wait to get out of Edmonton, which is a little town I grew up in mm. and knew, knew that I wanted to do something in fashion at the time it was fashion design. And I couldn't wait to get to Toronto. I couldn't wait to just be independent at 18. Um, and so did that and was not at all scared. You know, there was no hesitation. It was just like, let's go. Um, and I realized like how, how, how um, that's such a big factor in like next steps, right? Kind of just doing things and trusting yourself. I had so much trust in myself then um, because you're young and a little dumb, which I think is good. It, it, yeah. it works. Yeah. <laughs> I think it works. Yeah. So I, I moved to Toronto when I was 18 and um, yeah, I went to college there and then discovered New York, fell in love with New York and moved there when I was well, it was 2006 and I've been here 15 years which is still crazy to say out wow. loud yeah so I feel like I've re, re reinvented myself a couple times I will say you know once or twice with my my family as a as a child and then a couple times in my moves and I think um each of those even though I may not have seen especially the ones I made as an adult didn't feel like risk-taking as much they just felt like uh, my my fun next adventure and I think in in retrospect you look back at like wow like I literally just moved to another country without having anything set up any residency plans you know like just I just did it and figured it out later and I think part of that is what helps you survive any major transition you know sometimes you just need to take the first step and not know what the next 10, 15 steps are. Yeah, um, I'm taking notes over here because I, I, I think, you know, whether it's a, a crisis or a challenge or just like you said, that kind of next big adventure, sometimes not planning it out is better because you can kind of sideline yourself with the what ifs, don't you think? Definitely. And, and I compare that to like how I've been since, right? The older I've gotten how less adventurous I am because, you know, my excuse may be that I have a child or that I'm getting older and I need to be more settled down. And what does that even mean when it, if it helps, if it helped me and it worked in the past, just be more bolder and be more present, right? Because then it, then it forces you to be more present about, okay, what do I have to do right now? Hmm. You know, and then, and then do that thing. And, but now I'm like, miss analytical and feel like I have <laughs> to you know, look at reports all day, which is not even something I enjoy doing, but it's just, some, it's a tailspin that all of a sudden I've gotten myself into. 
But let me ask you this. So you, I, I'm, I'm like taking myself back to when I was 18 and 19 and 20, and I had that trust. And, and I, I guess I could be referred to as a delirious optimist, you know, and I had this whole like wide-eyed look at the world, but you went in, now I went into teaching. I was a little safer. You go into fashion design and all that. That's a little bit of a, a different spin on it that you've got to go in with people that aren't necessarily there to embrace that you've got this big purpose in the world and it's pretty competitive and all so did you stay in line with trusting yourself and all of that or did you have to like have some stuff you had to shift how was that going into that world yeah no that is a great point because you know hello immigrant parents right you have two options for, for immigrant parents and that's a doctor or a lawyer and that's those, <laughs> oh, they that's, must have loved your vision oh my gosh they <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I can, looking back, I really was, um, I definitely just marched to the beat of my own drum. I just thinking back, right? Like in junior high school, I remember um, entering a competition to sew, um, you know, like a garment and have it go down the runway. And then, you know, someone would win some grand prize. But I remember like, I don't really know how to sew all that well. So I'm going to take sewing lessons. Literally, no one, you know, no one told me this is the way to go and then I wanted to learn how to sketch so I was like okay parents I want to take sketching classes but also there was a point when I didn't want to ask my parents for money anymore so I started working at 14 um so I could pay for some of this stuff so it was something that like I don't I can't really explain it because I didn't know any other feeling I just knew that I wanted to do something with clothes and so I feel like I had been saying it repeatedly over and over again to my parents that they were like this girl will not let up. Like she is still <laughs> talking about this. So by the time I got to high school, I was already researching the school and leaving breadcrumbs and, you know, pamphlets around for my parents. And then my, you know, my mom was like, you're not going, of course, you know, my mothers don't want to let their kids go. And then finally my dad gave up and he's like, listen, this girl must be serious. We have to like look into this. And so I think that's what did it is because I had been talking about it and showing them you know like that this was something that was innately something I was interested in that was a part of me um and you know not to say that the pressure had gone off because then knowing them they were like and they, my, especially my father my father did not mince words he was always like okay well if you're going to do this you know you got to be the best <laughs> you know like just does he know my dad <laughs> did they have probably with each other yeah yeah they, they probably attended the same conferences or something but <laughs> yeah so it, it was a lot but I I don't know I think I feel like I balanced it better um when I was growing up you know as as a teen and in my early 20s I was just like just do and I also I also feel secretly even though the school that I went to was the the only degree program for for fashion in the country at the time it was one of two I think mm -hmm. um so that was a big reason but I also felt like being away like physically away from um my parents not that I you know there was a, I didn't then I felt like I could be more free mm. in you know pursuing what it is I wanted to pursue it's hard to do that when parents, you know, we mean well, but I think sometimes we burden our kids a little bit with what we expect. Um, oh, God, so yeah, you're, you're singing my song. I mean, I, I realized 20 years later, that I'm, I became the mom I always dreamt of, because my dreams for my boys were demolished when I heard that mm -hmm. they were blind. Mm -hmm. And I often tell moms, if you can find it in you to take your dreams off of them, 
and then watch how they can soar. I think that's the beauty of college when, when kids go away to college and they don't have us every day trying to steer them ever yeah. so passively, aggressively sometimes yeah. towards the way they want. And then they find, you know, people to date and they find people to hang out and then go after their dreams away from us. Yeah. Yeah. Without that safety net, you know? Um, and I think that was, yeah, I think it's a pretty important experience to have as, as a almost adult kind of adult, newly adult, you know? So I think that was, that was, that was a great experience for me. And I learned to trust myself even more in different ways. Yeah. So when we talk about um, resilience and this whole kind of reset idea, Kristen and I say often that your resilience has its roots in its childhood. And it sounds like you may have, have had that sort of built into you without an awareness of it, that idea of being resilient. And I think that that is, that's part of all of our stories. We don't name resilience when we're young. We, we, mm -hmm. we talk about it now, like, especially in 2020, like, oh, I have to find my resilience. Well, you know, like it's already there. Yeah. But do you feel like um, part of that came from maybe absorbing even unconsciously what you saw your parents trying to do in terms of, you know, building this new life and going to this new place? You must have sort of sucked some of that in. Definitely. And what I forgot to mention was also when I was about five or six months old, remember, there was a war going on. And a bomb had dropped in the village where we lived. And mm -hmm. so I was stuck in the home that caught on fire from the bombing. And so apparently the left side of my body was on fire. Oh my and my God. mom, yeah. So I almost died at five and six. My mom ran in and grabbed me. And, you know, I still talk about the fact that, you know, in a country village, okay, village with no electricity, um, no hospitals. I think the local medicine person just did what he could. And you couldn't even tell, right? That, that besides a couple of scars. And so I think that is part of, is a huge part of my story because <clears throat> in addition to the fact that my parents survived so much loss, so much loss, they don't even talk about it, but you know, it, it, I, I asked them questions growing up. I was very curious and and I'm like, we are living, my brothers and I, we are living such a awesome life, right? Because of everything that they've sacrificed. And I think my, part of my decisions, like you said, Mary Fran, is just that I didn't want to, I must have known inside that I didn't want to waste this life. You know, I didn't want to like, even though sometimes it felt like I wasn't making them happy or proud. Um, I just innately knew that this was something I had to pursue because it's what I wanted to do. You know, like it wasn't, you know, I didn't know the money. I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I didn't, I didn't know any of that, but I was just like, I just figured, well, if you're, if, if, if I'm constantly wanting to do this, I'll, I'll figure it out because I actually want to invest my time into it as opposed to being miserable. And I don't know where that came from. So like you said, it must've been something that I just picked up on growing up. Well, and you have such an appreciation and a gratitude I can hear in, in, in there and in your journey for, for where your parents, everything they had come through that it's got a, a lot of stuff has to just be relative now. Like my, my, um, I, I didn't come from much and my dad was in the Vietnam war. So his mm -hmm. perspective, the fact that he survived 
when most of his buddies didn't and he comes home, his perspective of things was completely different than most people, you know, like, like where we're all, everyone's whining about one thing. He's like, we are alive, you know, and, and in this country being able to live now. So I think that I was raised similarly with that type of let's get this in check. And yeah, you only have one shot at this and you have these gifts and talents. My, my parents are very big on, you know, their expectations were high because they saw, they would always talk about my gifts and talents, my brilliance that I had and put it to use. That's what you're here for. You know, mm-hmm. and it sounds like you, you had a similar journey and now it's interesting that now you have a little one and you get to, to bring him up in that same way. Yeah, I have to check myself sometimes, you know, like definitely. But I think just having that perspective is more than enough, you know. I won't always get it right, but I do catch myself and I'm like, is this because this has something to do with you or that you're telling him not to do this or to do this? Or is this, you know, really about his safety or whatever the actual concern is? And so I think just, you know, that again, because I had the opportunity to grow up in a place that <clears throat> had the luxury to, to talk about um, self-development and, you know, kind of looking into the reasons why we do things. That's a luxury, you know, that, that my parents didn't have and anyone in, in, in a war situation does not have. So yeah, absolutely. It's been, it's, it's funny. I feel like it, it's, if I didn't have my, you know, sometimes limited or strict parents viewpoints, I don't, I still, I wouldn't, be the person I am today either so I see that going hand in hand yeah we you know one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm listening to your to your story and a couple of the things that you said kind of resonated with me because this this kind of second phase that we talk about Kristen and I talk about that rise that that place where you go okay here's what I want here's my skill set and my talents and all that but you said a couple of things that really you know resonated and and one of them was that you have to take action. And you did that at a very young age, like figuring out like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing here. So I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to take classes. But the second thing that I'm hearing too, is that you weren't really married to the outcome of the plan, except to know that you wanted this thing eventually, but you didn't necessarily have every single step figured out along the way. You just took action and moved forward. Is that the process that you had and was that that was just sounds like something you just did naturally it was and I feel like our time you know I'm in my 40s early 40s and I feel like I kind of feel bad for the kids now because there's so much at the time like sure we had music videos but it was more like fun aspirational like entertainment and and so I didn't have the pressure of like seeing I don't know, I'm seeing people my age or slightly older than me living this particular life that I needed to live, where I feel like now that's thrown in their faces all day long. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't, I didn't, A, maybe as kids, you're not naturally prone to thinking that way, right? You're just like, this is what I want to do, right? Like it's very in the, in, in the moment. And so, which is beautiful, right? I think that does kind of disappear as we get older and, and are thrown into to society. Um, but yeah, I didn't know any different. I just knew like, okay, like, yeah, I, I knew designers and I was like, oh, that would be so great if I could have a design, but I was also very aware of like, but who's going to wear that? And how, like, I wouldn't wear that. And there's no one that looks like me in these clothes. Like I was aware of little things like that, but it was easy to just throw the, what does this need to look like away? Because everything was so new. And I was just like, I just want to start. 
I just want to start. I'm like, I could tell you what this next garment is going to look like. I can, you know, like, but yeah, I, 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 there was, I wish I still had that, to be honest with you. I think that has definitely, um, as I, I've, now I'm in this community of women who do incredible things. I serve women who do incredible things and I can't help but compare. I think that that's just something that happens naturally. So that has definitely gone away a bit, but it was so awesome when I had it. It would definitely <laughs> drove me most of that, most of those, you know, 15 years growing, growing into adulthood. Well, you know, I'm, I'm loving, I'm here. I heard you say, figure it out several times that you would just figure it out and I'll go to the next. Yes. I know what this garment's going to look like. I don't know what the next part of the journey is. And I am also finding it interesting that you worked with Marie Forleo, whose book is everything is figure outable. And as I'm sitting here listening to you talk and then thinking about my upbringing, it was, that was based on her mom figuring things out like the role model. And then you did the same thing. And I did did that, you know, as we're just talking about your journey, I, I, I'm finding no coincidence there that, that that's who you're working with. And how, so I, I have to ask you, how did that, how did this, this person with this, this, you know, work ethic and, and your talents, then you end up working with people like Marie Forleo and Lenny Kravitz and how, what, what, what was the, was there one big defining moment that catapulted you or was it a bunch of little things or did you have this plan and go for it? That's a great question. That, and that to me is my rise story, I will say, because I was in the commercial industry. I got my start styling, but purely by accident. A friend who was doing, who was in the music industry while I was in school in Toronto was just like, hey, we're doing a music video and we want you to be, to, to style it. And I said, awesome. Thank you for think of, thinking of me, but I don't know what that is. And I don't do that. Right. Cause, and I honestly didn't, this was like 2002, three. Um, it wasn't like this revered career yet that I was aware of anyway. And so I was in school to be a designer and that's, you know, again, you know, very, but you know, he just wouldn't, I, I, I still do not know why he would not take no for an answer. He would not take no for an answer. He was like, well, walk you through it. Here's a credit card, um, style 12 people. (laughs) It was insane. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, like literally you like still have the panic look it just came across your face oh, again because <laughs> I was like 12 you just said it was it was this person the singer but then there's he has a band and then there's extras so anyway I did it I remember after every outfit that I styled someone if or the person that I was styling would talk about how great the outfit was and I'm like he paid he's totally telling them to tell me this like just to make me feel better and then it was a 14 hour long day, video shoots are long. And he handed me a check at the end of it and said, I knew you could do it. And I was like, are you like kidding right now? Like, you wow. know, I have I had no idea what I was doing. And so that was like, I, don't, I that was just state. I don't even know what to call that. But that, like the fact that he pressed and the fact that I was good at it naturally um, is still something that really wows me. So anyway, I was, I kind of did, worked in that industry, did a lot of music videos and um, music artists, album packaging, things like that. And then I moved to New York uh, a few few years later, had to start from the bottom up again, but was happy to do it because I was so in love with New York and I just, it was inspiring every day. And then got into magazine work and commercials and things like that. And then in about about 2009, I just, stop loving what I did 
and I couldn't figure it out. I thought, well, am I giving up on my, like, what is this? Like, I, this is the thing I wanted to do. It was closed this whole time. I couldn't, it was literally a crossroads moment. I didn't, I think wow. for me, why I call myself the anti-fashion stylist is because I wasn't the person that wanted to be at fashion shows. I didn't really want to be um, in the industry per se. There was a disconnect there with what the industry was selling hmm. and what I felt I was bringing to the table with, with my talent. And so I didn't know how to, you know, put it into words or pinpoint it. And so at the time I followed, I just went, went online, right? Cause that's, that's what we did, I guess. Uh, that was like the beginning of Google, right? So mm-hmm. I just went online and I found this one female coach who was based in California, who interviewed Marie one day. And um, I was like, oh, this woman's in New York. Let me follow her. I thought like, if someone was closer, they're more legit or something. I don't know what my reasoning was. <laughs> So I got on her list, on Marie's list, and then two weeks later, she was launching, promoting this program, this year-long program that was $2,500 for, for the year. And I was like, yeah, right. People mm-hmm. pay her $2,500 for, and they don't even see her. Like, cause I had no idea what coaching was. Right. I didn't, I was not familiar with this world at all. And then she closed the cart and then she opened it back up again and said, final chance. And I was like, like, you know, when you close your eyes and you do something, (laughs) I did that. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, am I really paying this strange woman $2,500? And I told no one, I told nobody. It was like the secret, Uh, but I took that leap and that changed my career. That literal, that decision changed my career. And so I realized that I could pivot my business in a way that would better serve me and be more, more um, meaningful and just, just have more connection. I feel like I had lost that connection. And, and, and of course, within a year, <laughs> somehow Marie ended up becoming a client. And then that just opened up the, the world of opportunities in terms of working with women entrepreneurs and professionals and really helping women like you and I realize that oftentimes we're head down building a business, right? Creating this freedom for our families. And we look up after we've created this level, some level of success and we're like completely disconnected with the person we see in the mirror because we've grown five, 10, 15 fold. And we don't know how to, how to articulate that with, with, with our clothes, right? We don't know how to match our insides with our outsides. And so that just became one of the most fulfilling things for me to be able wow. to do that for women like myself. And so that's 11 years strong since then, 11 or 12 wow. years. So you, the couple of things that you said um, that, that kind of we talk about brilliance. And the one thing that struck me is your friend who invited you to do that music video at first. People very often, we tell, we tell people all the time, if you don't know what your brilliance is, think about what people ask you to do. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. other people often see it before we see it, you know, before we know it. And so somebody mm-hmm. pointed that out to you. And, and I think that many women find themselves in that position. They, they work their brilliance all the time, but they don't recognize it. So that's an important piece. But this second piece that you said about our, our insides matching our outsides, I have to tell you, I mean, for better or for worse, the world that we live in clothes matter. The way you appear 
matters. You can have the, the best, you know, best product whatsoever. But if you show up looking like you were just cleaning the bathroom, it's not going to work. So, so how do you, how do you advise women who clearly like myself feel they have no fashion sense whatsoever and try to figure out how to present yourself in a way that reflects who you are on the inside? Yeah, I say that it's often not about fashion. It's really about pivoting that focus from, you know, what the fashion, what you need, what, what it means to be fashionable or stylish away from because that usually means you're looking to outside sources of inspiration Mm. and 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 bringing it back to them so I talk about I have I created a a body shape calculator that really helps women know not guess what their body shape is Mm. um again focusing back on them and then I have them create a Pinterest board um that is their board filled with items that light them up that they love because oftentimes you may not be able to describe into words what you love, but when you see it, you know it. And I always say, when you pin these images, don't pin with the filter of, well, I don't know if this is actually going to look good on me because I have, like, without all that, like just instinctual, visceral, like right away, I'm attracted to this. And then and I love then those words, instinctual and visceral, those things that you have that feeling about that you yes. don't talk yourself out of it. In other words, you don't think about it. You just, you just feel. And so, and, and then writing in afterwards, what is it about this thing that you like? Is it the color combination? Is it the fabrics? Is it the, um, the pattern, mm-hmm. right? And when you pin enough images, you'll start to see various patterns form, um, you know, and, and that's what I look for. And then also um, cre- I always ask my clients to come up with three words that describe how they want their clothes to make them feel. Hmm. So now when you're in a dressing room and you're contemplating a garment, you have the first question, which is, does this suit my body shape, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's, if it's an 85, 80, 85% yes, right? With the other 15% knowing that you can tweak it, right? Because I think that's one thing that men do much better than women. Men are very matter of fact about tailoring, right? They don't make it about their bodies being wrong. And women, we go into wow. the story. Oh my gosh, that, that's huge. They don't make it about their bodies being wrong. Oh my gosh, I, that's like a revelation. It is wow. a huge, and I always say like tailoring is your superpower. That is your secret weapon. Because if you sat there and, and just thought about the fact that these brands have never met you, don't know who you are, don't know what your body shape is, and their only goal is to fit as many different bodies as possible, Right. And so if you said, if you took that power back and said, oh, okay, so this actually is pretty awesome off the rack, but I know I can make these two, maybe three tweaks by taking it to my tailor to make it custom made for me. Wow. The shift in, in, in perspective there is huge because then you don't make it personal. Your body's not wrong. Your body is your body and your body is, it's up to us. We know the nuances to our body. It's up to us to, to tailor our garments accordingly. And so that's why I always say men, they're like, oh, okay, this suit's too long. Let's go get a hemmed. This, you yeah. know, you know, like it's too, it's too wide. It's too, like, let's go get it tailored. And so I feel like just understanding that that just may be a new um, constant in how you shop and how your wardrobe evolves is, is really, like you said, um, just game changing. My gosh, it's, it's, it's like we turn our body shape into a character flaw. Like, and, and, 
And we punish ourselves because of it. When in fact, if you look at the clothes as they're just being designed, they're on these like kind of rail thin type model types that of course they're not going to fit (laughs) me. Who's this big? No wonder I looked like that in that video. (laughs) Do you know what's interesting? I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm thinking, oh my God, I just did this a couple of years ago where I was dating somebody that um, was a, a... baseball player. So he has like muscles all up in his shoulders and arms. Right. And he got stuff, his suits and all tailored because he's like lifelong baseball player. I've got these muscles and very proud. And then there's me going, Oh, I can only wear these two brands of jeans. Cause I have soccer thighs. <laughs> what is yeah. that? Is the exact of what you just said, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just did the exact same thing that they, they do hold their power and it make it about the clothes. And then there's us. Holy smokes. It's huge, right? It's yeah. huge. And, and I always say like, you could, I'm a big fan of like high and low. I'm not like a designer snob at all. So if I go to Zara and I find this awesome thing, and of course I may be searching in these stores, I was going to say shop. This is before pandemic. Mm -hmm. I was, I was in the stores often enough where I could pick out the really different pieces, you know, the pieces that maybe don't come into the stores that often. And then I may get that thing tailored and it's like, what, maybe it costs a hundred bucks total with the tailoring because it's a, it's a low, low item and low cost item to start. Let's say something is 40 bucks and you put another 40 bucks in it. under a hundred dollar item that fits you perfectly wow you know it makes perfect sense and I think it really is about taking your power back and understanding that it's no it's actually we need to shift the clothes your body hasn't your body is fine your body does not have to be changed or altered in any way but your clothes do yeah yeah so you know what about things like I feel like a lot of women particularly when you get to be a little bit older you almost choose your clothes to hide if that oh, makes sense. all ages yes, you know so mm-hmm. how do you but but like for me I'm really attracted to bright colors and prints and all that but I always think to myself yeah that's too much for me like how, what do you tell people how do you get out of that headset well these this is where your three words come in handy right so if you, I'll, I'll have women who say I want to feel well confident is number one almost mm-hmm. right like that's yeah. always a word confident, bold, unique, right? Let's say those are your three words. If you put on a garment and it doesn't make you feel at least two of those three words, that that takes care of itself right there. Because if you're putting on something when, and you feel like, oh, I don't know if I could pull this off, it's because you're not, you're not grounded. You're not really focused on how you want to feel, right? Like, it's, again, that's like mm-hmm. taking that critique, um, of not worthy out of the question and instead focusing on, well, does this make me feel? And, and then I always say like a real, like kind of technical thing that you could do is to take a picture of yourself in a full length mirror. And that gives you a perspective that oftentimes looking at ourselves in a mirror doesn't, doesn't give us mm-hmm. and seeing that like, okay, how much it's really important that you, you can see a silhouette shape beneath your clothes. And if you're not, if you're trying to hide yourself, oftentimes you're adding bulk to mm. your shape, which, which so you should see the shape of the body in the clothes. You should definitely have a silhouette showing beneath your clothes. And it doesn't mean that it has to be tight, but there should be some shape. 
the style is all about the lines of our clothes and the shapes that it creates. And so once you know your body shape, you'll know what to look for, that what lines to look for that complement your shape. That's really all it is. All those little details, like an extra button on a blazer, the color of the buttons, where the shoulder line sits, what the collar, how, what kind of collar is it? How does it work with your neckline? Like all that, this is all I do. This, that's really all I'm doing is looking at lines, looking at my client first, and then finding the right lines in clothing that make the best sense, that are in, best ali- the be- in, be- in the most alignment for them. It's funny because you're saying the same thing that when, when the world was open and I was out on stages, I couldn't stand the pictures coming back. Mm-hmm. Like the professional photographer and all, I'm like, I just, it's like frumpy or something's not right. And a friend of ours, that's a, uh, a stylist here in our town, she said to me, Kristen, always tuck, always tuck your shirt in. That's where you're adding all this frump. And just by doing that, and then sometimes I'll have the jacket on and sometimes not, just by doing that to your point of the line, it just looks, and then you see the silhouette. It just looks so much better. Now I went... I went 47 years not knowing that about tucking. I always thought if you tucked, then it like made you look bigger for some, I don't know. I guess Mary Fran's thing of, of hiding. I, I don't know. But I also went through the, my, when my divorce journey started, I was like turned upside down and inside out. And it's amazing the journey to come through. And when, uh, you know, our stylist friend Jeannie had told me that about tucking and a guy friend of mine had said to me, you, your clothes don't reflect what you've accomplished in your life. He's like, stop wearing all, like I always have my daughter's soccer team stuff on, you know, I'm like, I'm a mom, I'm cheering my kids on. He's like, you're a Ted speaker, you're this, you're that. Like you don't like hang up the sweatpants once in a while (laughs) and reflect what you've accomplished. And then, you know, what's funny. My professional life started to really take off once I adopted that philosophy when I'm out in the world to reflect more of what I've accomplished. Because- more than anyone, that reflection is most important to you. Hmm. I, you know, I just had a client that just did a shoot in December. We worked virtually together and she's 65 years young. And she he had been wanting to do this, like do this whole photo shoot with the stylist for a while. And when I tell you that this woman has not stopped promoting her stuff since this photo shoot, I mean, she's like, and we, we had a catch-up call not too long ago, and she just said, I knew it was in there, but I never saw it. And when, like, those images reflected back to me, like, confirmed who I was, right? That, yeah. that who am I? Like, who am I to do, you know? And then she saw herself, and she's like, I'm a bad B. Like, I should be, <laughs> I should be everywhere promoting what I do, and it has just mm. been this, and this is really why I'm so like grateful every day, right? Cause I could have been, who knows where I could have been in 2009 at that crossroads. And I feel like the fact that I get to help women and it helps me like every client somehow like is, is a part of my journey, of course, also. So it's just, yeah, I think like to think that for 65, 64 years, you know, maybe, maybe less than that. Right. But she, most of us aren't aware of how dope we are, how incredible we are. And I think we, 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 we kind of do, and we start to do Ted, Ted talks and things like that, but like, yet still there's some, there's, there's this like, am I though, you exactly. know, because, and this is where you said, Mary Fran, like, this is why your image 
is important because it reflects back to you where you are and how much you've accomplished and how far you've come and how, like I said, how dope you are. And I think that's what people oftentimes don't realize that clothing is so much more. It's not, it's not really this frivolous thing. It's really so much more than about the clothes and it really is powerful. It's a powerful trans transformative. And, tool. and, you know, it is, it is fun. I mean, there's an element to it that when you can look the way you, you feel inside about things like, you know, joyful, there's joy, there's just joy in that. And, and that God knows we all need more fun. I mean, good heavens, what we've, what we've all been through. So to be able to take those, that uh, the, the accomplishment and sort of manifest it outwardly Mm -hmm. so that you see it and it's reflected back to you from what other people see. I mean, that's, that is a huge confidence builder. It's, it should really be a part of everyone's plan for building their persona, their brand, their, their whatever. I mean, it, because it combines the intangibles with the tangible. 100%. And I always, you know, I don't always remember this story, but a client sent me, sent me this article that talked about compared, um, well, it, the, the main point was to illustrate how important how we appear, how we show up day to day in our lives was, and he or she used the example of the Catholic church as, as, as um, kind of a comparison and said, if the preachers from, you know, way back BC walked around in whatever their equivalent of a jeans and a jeans and a t-shirt was, you know, promoting these stories and this community, who would have believed them? Mm -hmm. Mm. Wow. And so understanding that your message lands better and stronger when you have, when you look like the message you're, spread, you're spreading, you know, I don't, uh, it was much more eloquent than I'm putting it, but just the fact that, you know, why do churches spend all this money in their buildings on their robes? Hmm. You know, like it's, it's very much a part of the experience of being a part of that community. And so understanding, it doesn't have to look like that, but what is your version? Like, are you embodying the brand and the work that you are putting out in the world? Because that helps your, your people, your audience resonate with the message even that much more. Wow. wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, I'm scribbling. You can't see me right here, but I'm, <laughs> I've been scribbling away at all of your, your brilliance bits that you, that you've laid on us and you've given us all so much to think about and that that piece that some people may dismiss is really it's an important part of conveying your message in the world and and making people feel that trust and confidence in you yes you don't have it in yourself absolutely what's the point yeah, and you know what I'm, I'm I'm thinking about in 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 the brilliantly resilient process in the reset we talk a lot about aligning with your values and that's how you make decisions and then you get up and you, and you do your rise and it's and and you you just brought us full circle that your brilliance really shines when you're aligned with your values and then you're gonna and you're gonna show up physically in the world that way. It's like a total full circle from the reset all the way to the revealing your brilliance. That's a big part of it. And your values are, are the through line all the way through there. Yeah. I love that. I, I love that. 
that thread because it's true and and it's energy we're all energy right so understanding that that shifts your energy and therefore you show up differently you know um, there's, huge. It's, it's huge you know people talk about well styling is really just for celebrities and I'm like celebrities mm-hmm. just adopted it as as a must-have you know that's the only difference they just understand that their brand is this is a necessary part of of building and sustaining that brand and I think the only thing different between celebrities and entrepreneurs and professionals and um, any, any, anyone else that isn't a celebrity is the fact that they just have already accepted that as something that's necessary. That's the only difference. Yeah. We validated it for their profession when in truth it, it applies to everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been, I mean, we, I could literally talk to you all day and I know Kristen feels the same, but um, tell everybody where we can find you. I know you just redid your website and it is awesome. It's Thank you. gorgeous. And you have something on there. You have that body shape. So cool. in order to get access to that body shape calculator, you just have to sign up for my free offer, which is what not to wear on camera. Um, and as part of that process, you will be, uh, you'll have access to the body shape calculator, which means ladies, you need a measuring tape that's for measuring your body, not your house. Not, <laughs> you mean not the dresser that the clothes are in? The, the metal thing you pull out to measure yeah. the doorway. That's but you try to from. bend around you and it's going. <laughs> yes. You would be surprised how many women don't own fabric tape measures. <laughs> I know. I think I my have, grandmother had like this, 10 of them because my grandmother. I have a sewing kit that I, that my, oh, okay. I actually have a sewing kit, which is, you know, it's a whole other story, but so I do have one of those, but so your website is, tell us where your website is and where we can find you on social media. My website is elsaisaac.com and Isaac is spelled I-S-A-A-C. Um, and I'm pretty much Elsa Isaac on Instagram, Twitter, pretty much on Facebook. There's some numbers in there we couldn't change. But if you just put Elsa Isaac, you'll find me. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a delight. And, you know, I love fashion. I, I wish I were better at it, but you've certainly given me a lot to think about and some tools to help me get there. So I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. Elsa, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody, thanks for joining us for another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. Kristen always remembers to tell you all the stuff that I forget. So I'm going to let her finish this up. (laughs) Well, as we are still helping everyone to have their most brilliant year yet, your first start can be on Amazon. Get Brilliantly Resilient, the book, the top 100 bestseller book, had to throw it in there. And then go to brilliantlyresilient.net and we have all kinds of resources there for you. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next time. Thank you, Elsa, for joining us. We'll see you next time on Brilliantly Resilient Live. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.